Welcome to the Water Tower Hour. I am your host, Tim Regan, Head of Business Development at Water Tower Research. Jesse's currently on vacation this week and making us all jealous as he's off exploring Yosemite. Must be nice. Uh, just kidding though, Jesse, hope you and the kids are having a blast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a company called RE Royalties that acquires revenue-based royalties over renewable energy facilities and technologies by providing non-dilutive financing solutions to these companies in the renewable energy sector. Stock trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the ticker RE and on the OTCQX under the symbol RROYF. You can learn more about RE Royalties at reroyalties.com. You can also find our coverage of the company on watertowerresearch.com. Click on the Companies tab and scroll down to RE Royalties. Our research content is open access and freely available to all investors, so please do check it out. To dig into the company, I have two special guests today. First, the co-founder and president of Water Tower Research, Sean Severson. Sean, thanks again for joining us. Great. Thanks, Tim. Glad to be back and uh, talking to the audience again today. Uh, very excited to have our royalties with us. Awesome. Yeah, me too. And to do that, well, we have our co-host with me today, Bryce Anderson, Vice President of Investments at RE Royalties. Bryce, good to see you. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Bryce, firstly, congratulations on the 50K race over the weekend and the upcoming wedding. Exciting times for the Anderson. <laughs> a, lot, a lot going on in life, but uh, happy to carve out some time and, and chat with you guys. I oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. So I guess for our listeners, maybe that are new to the company, can you provide us an overview of the business and how RE Royalties is covering the unique aspects of the business and your strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are the first royalty company focused on the renewable and clean energy space. Um, founded in 2016, we listed on, as you mentioned, we're on the venture, that was in 2018. And really the two founders, one was from the resources space, uh, mining, where he'd use royalty financing quite successfully. And the other was a renewable energy developer. And they said, hey, why doesn't this financing solution exist in the renewable energy space? It's in basically every other industry out there, mining, oil and gas, pharma, uh, even a, you know every franchise out there, franchise freezer, essentially a royalty. Um, and for those who aren't that familiar, it's essentially just a percentage of gross revenues. So for us, we invest in renewable energy projects, say a wind project, uh, every unit of energy that they sell, every dollar we would clip, say two cents of that in the form of a royalty. Uh, in terms of what we invest in specifically, it's quite a broad spectrum, renewable and clean energy. So everything, like I mentioned, wind and solar to renewable natural gas, we've done some energy efficiency, uh, some energy storage as well. Jurisdictionally, it's been mostly North America, so mostly Canada and the US. We have some stuff in, in Mexico that we've invested in, as well as Europe previously, and we tend to be pretty agnostic to the jurisdiction. We want to try and create as diversified a portfolio of royalties as, as we can. To date, we've invested in about 100, over 110 projects now that we currently have royalties on, raised and deployed about 60 million. Wow. And in, it's amazing. Turn, yeah, no, thank you. It's been been a huge amount of growth. About half of that has been in the last, I'd say, 18 to 24 months. So it's been a huge growth. That's area a, that's a big ramp. That's that's great to see. And especially in, in the sector, we need more of it. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in terms, probably worth just high level. I know you get too much into royalties. Uh, people's eyes <laughs> glaze over. Uh, <laughs> but uh you know, it is worth mentioning, there's kind of two main ways that we do invest. So the first is similar to traditional kind of, you know, royalty financing that I mentioned, where 
they create or acquire an existing royalty. So for us, that would be maybe a developer or landowner who has an existing royalty on, you know, for us, it's typically an operating project. We would go in there and negotiate a price and, and acquire that. Uh, the difference for us compared to, again, the mining and resource royalties is we don't want to take a lot of development risks. We don't go in early and say pick 10 mines, invest in them, uh, very early stage acquire a royalty, but typically nine out of the 10 don't survive. So the one that does pays for the other 10, we like to come in later uh, and take a royalty on something that's 12 months or less to cash flow, preferably even operating. Uh, and create a more, I'd say, operating portfolio of, of royalties as opposed to, you know, say 110 royalties, but only 10 of them are producing. For us, it's, you know, the majority of those 110 are producing. So that's product one. Honestly, we thought that would be the majority of how we structured our transactions until we realized kind of the beauty of product two, which is the short-term loans uh, with the royalty kind of kicker, as we call it. So we come in and we provide a loan anywhere from six months to three years. Um, it could be used for acquisition, construction, even working capital. So say a client wanted to acquire a solar project or build it. Uh, and really we're helping them get, you know, in those couple of years, get to the point where they can refinance us, attract, either grow their portfolio to the point or de-risk their portfolio to the point where they can bring in the longer term uh, debt solution. So we're, Typically interest only, we get our principal back at the end plus interest, but the royalty itself stays. And the beauty in that is that we can then take that money, create a new royalty stream off it, but the existing royalty is typically 10 to 20 years. So say over 10, 20 years, we can stack that six, seven times, create six or seven royalty streams off the same initial capital outlay. You know, that, that one thing on that, Bryce, and I think for shareholders, it's a unique opportunity for public investors to be able to access some of these plant level projects. I mean, from public equity standpoint, you know, and 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 you know, and the world we live in, uh, you see, you know, opportunities. You know, obviously, one you know, technology driven or a single single technology, oftentimes in clean tech, but all of the project development has been left to pretty much larger private equity, private market transactions. So. This is this is a unique opportunity for public shareholders, I think, to be able to get into this part of it and because it's clearly there are a lot of opportunities. Also, I assume that the market is is not quite as efficient as let's say a three hundred million dollar solar project where you got everybody you know tripping over each other to get to it. That this creates some some good opportunities for you, right? Maybe some asymmetrical information and and inefficiencies that are there for you and your team to find. No, I, absolutely. So. I mean, for sure, we, we think it's a great way for, as you mentioned, it's typically been, you know, large projects. So it's large players. It's very hard for the average retail investor to participate in the renewable energy industry. And to us, that's what we think we've created kind of a superior way to invest as you can kind of invest in us. And you're investing in, again, you have access to 100 plus different projects, various technologies, jurisdictions, and all that. Um, and in terms of, I guess, the, the kind of competition and the kind of inefficiencies, you're right, at, at our scale, typically we're investing two to $10 million um, at a time. And for sure, you know, it's a lot less competition. The banks typically have a cookie cutter approach. They have one solution and our kind of one of our big selling points with our clients, as we call them, the developers, is to come in and understand their 
their pain points and create a, a financing solution that kind of solves that while also obviously protecting us and, and also just being able to move quickly. Uh, we've had a lot of deals come our way that have, you know, they have long-term financing that's interested, but they know it's going to take six, 12 months and they need to post a deposit today or order panels today. And we're able to kind of scoop uh, some business just from the, honestly, the bureaucracy of the, the larger institutions that could compete with us. So, you know, I think it's also worth taking a moment, rewind a bit and talk a little bit about your background and what brought you to RI Royalties, because as a small cap investor, you know, investors really are tied with management. You know, you're a small team, great experience, very, uh, be a, a very reactive. It can be quick. And uh, but I think it's critical also that it's high quality. It has to be a high quality management team. And you guys are, are, are an outstanding group. So maybe just a moment on a little bit about who's behind the curtain here. Sure. I uh, appreciate you calling me high quality. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I joined the company this month, actually, it's six years ago. So my background prior was mechanical engineering. I, I worked in oil and gas and a bit in construction as well, and then kind of made the transition over, over to finance. I'm a CFA charter holder as well. And I met uh, Bernard, the, the CEO, one of the founders I guess about six and a half years ago. And at that time it was just him and, and Peter, the other founder. And, uh, you know, I, I did pester him quite a bit to finally, to get a job. Uh, it was very early days. I think we had seven royalties at that point. Um, you know, speaking of high quality management, they were full in minimum wage at that point. They were the largest investors. We were still a private company. Uh, and it's always been shareholders first, primarily because we're all shareholders too, but it was just a very pragmatic approach. I think they were quite conscious of costs and that's the beauty of royalty company in general is kind of the low overhead. But anyway, I joined in six years ago as an analyst um, and really just got to grow with the company. We, as I mentioned, took a public in 2018 and have just tremendously grown the portfolio. We've grown the team as well. Um, but now in, in my role, primarily focused on business development, investor relations, and, uh, you know, doing, doing things like this. But as you mentioned, small team, everything in between. And it's been, you know, it's just a great culture having that small team and, and kind of what the founders have created here has definitely uh, made me stick around too. So, yeah, right, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about it too. The, uh, you know, especially the early days in a small company that's growing where you guys have an opportunity to get in. I'm happy you got, you got in when you did too. It's, Especially as an analyst, I'm sure you saw some interesting things in the beginning of what project you guys were, were assessing. I'm sure it was uh, all over the gamut. Yeah, and luckily no one's making a minimum wage anymore too, which is also good. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of minimum wage, uh, I think it's it's relevant to talk about the economic model and the financial model. So, yeah. for, so help investors understand how this works and how it makes money uh, and flows through, you know, back to the envelope would be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So I think... You know, I, I mentioned kind of our two products. I would probably focus more on kind of product two. That is the majority of what we do. So that's the short-term lending with the longer-term royalty. And if you think of our business work, so, you know, we raise money in public markets. It's been equity, but more recently, it's actually been green bonds. So we raised about 40 million Canadian in the last three years. So we raise that at a certain coupon, say, you know, let's use a year ago as an example, 6% green coupon on the green bond money, we take that and then we lend it out to our clients at a spread, usually three to 4%. So let's call it 10%. So for a million dollars, we lend that out 
we're earning, let's say it's a two-year loan. So we get 100,000 a year for two years. And of two years, we also get our principal back. Uh, but in addition, we've also attached a royalty to that project. So say 20,000 a year. So at the end of two years, we get uh, principal interest back, but the royalty itself is gonna stick around paying us 20,000 a year for the next 18 years. We take that million, plow it into the next project, create another royalty stream of 20,000. Now we're getting 40,000 a year in royalties all off the same capital. And again, that kind of recycling we talked about over and over again. Is that standard the the eighteen year royalty stream for the industry? Really depends on the technology. So solar is actually longer, twenty five to even thirty for the panels and how long they last. Maybe the inverters are about half that, but they usually bake that into the kind of budget that they'll replace them. Usually, what we attach to is the offtake agreement. So a lot of the stuff we're invested in has, you know, AAA credit rating. Like we're here in British Columbia, we have a uh, provincial utility they have yeah double triple a credit rating they're the buyer of the power so really they're our counterparty that, that we're exposed to they pay and we get a percentage of that payment essentially the revenues that they generate um and that's i think that was a 25 year one by the time we acquired that one in bc maybe there's 21 years left um but it something like batteries is a bit shorter because just they don't last as long. You think your phone, obviously they're a bit smarter with the larger batteries, but it's maybe a 10 to 15 year life. So it either tends to be the life of the project or the technology or even the, the offtake agreement, whatever kind of makes the most sense. So anywhere from 10 to 25 plus years. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about that, a recycling of capital. I think that's a really interesting concept and I wanna make sure that we drive it home um, because people always think of this as a capital intensive business yeah. as it generally is in the PE world, make an investment. Um, it may be tied up for decades. The original capital, of course, you're paid returns on it, but the original capital is tied up. Your model isn't quite like that and, and worth talking a little bit more about that. Yeah, and I think, you know, we we could be capital intensive if we wanted to grow even in faster, mm -hmm. even faster, but the it is really the, the secret sauce, I would say, of, you know, we're definitely a, a impact obviously everything we do and then there's the yield which is pretty clear from the royalties and interest but it's really the growth that comes from that recycling of that principle uh, and we're able to you know reach them some steady state one day of you know every year we have loans from a couple of years or a year prior and we're able to just continuously recycle and again grow the top line without raising any additional capital and be super capital efficient in that way so for example, next year, we have a number of investments that we made last year, you know, on average, maybe a two year loan. So we invested last year, it's come and due in 2024, we're gonna have a whole whack of principal we can take and reinvest. But again, all those royalty streams we generated will be sticking around as well. And, it, and like you said, it means we don't have to continuously raise money and then sink it like a traditional royalty company where you're investing in, again, to go back to mining, all these mines that aren't operational, okay, we got new investment opportunities. None of these are producing yet. We got to go raise more money to reinvest. And for us, it's it's not like that at all. Um, again, we could raise more to grow faster, but it's definitely not necessary. And it's definitely the secret sauce. Now, if, if you were to pick a, a project you'd want to highlight, a good case study for us, could you walk us through that? I think sometimes it helps just to put it into, put it in a practical uh, application here. Yeah, no, absolutely. So one, um, 
from, I guess, about a year and a half or almost two years ago now, a company called Switch Power. So they're based in, in Calgary and they, they were looking at a portfolio of 14 energy storage projects in Ontario. So four operational projects and 10 development projects. So they were looking for capital to acquire those projects from, from the original developer and also construct uh, five of the 10 that were in for development. Um, so we came in and did a series of loans that enabled them to do just that. Uh, they acquired the 14 projects um, with one of the loans that we did. And then the subsequent loan, we helped order equipment. It was structured as a two-year loan. So again, you know, it's coming due later this year. It's interest during that time for the two-year period, uh, interest only, I should say. We are going to get the principal back when they refinance the whole idea being we get them from, especially on the development stuff, they're growing that portfolio, right? So instead of having four operating projects where maybe they went to the bank and they said, hey, that's not big enough, we need more cash flow. Now we've enabled them to build. Again, the five are fully built now. They have nine operating projects. It's a much bigger portfolio. It's more attractive. They can go out there and get long-term debt. The end of the two years, repay us. We have a royalty for another I think 10 years after that, because it's energy storage. So it's kind of been a quite a growth story for them as they've grown. And we've done other opportunities with them too. They acquired a solar project, similar idea. You know, I think that was six or 12 month loan interest um, only with the idea that they're growing that solar part of their business as well. And they'll be able to refinance us at that time. But it's definitely, you know, that growth capital for developers. But as you mentioned, before just the non-dilutive aspect. Um, once once they understand that and they keep coming back, we say it's kind of like caffeine. They're <laughs> kind of addicted. And I mean, maybe one day they will get to the point where they don't need us anymore, but it's been a, a lot of return customers for us. Let's talk a little bit about growth then and and yeah. you know, particularly for RE moving forward into 2023 and beyond. Um, this this has two aspects to it. You grow the portfolio, you grow the EBITDA, and it pays and you know it pays a return, right? A dividend uh, yield to the investor. Um, how do you, how does the business grow? I mean, obviously, there you could just get a lot more capital, but I'm sure it's more complex than than that, and there's more to it. But in your strategy as it stands today, with the capital you have, with the green bonds, what's the plan? Yeah, no, great question. So. I was mentioning green bonds. Um, our last raise, we raised about 18 million Canadian. So that was earlier this year. We still have that in treasury. We have, uh, as we've disclosed about just under 50 million, again, in Canadian and signed term sheets. So we have a very strong backlog right now um, that we're currently working through. Um, we see no end in deals coming across our desk, probably two to three a week. This is not an area that we've ever had to do any marketing for. Uh, we tend to find, you know, referrals. People see a news release. We raise money and end up finding deals instead. Uh, we've always had a strong pipeline. It was over a billion dollars in projects we looked at uh, last year alone. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of, you know, this year, really the plan is try and execute on that the pipeline that we have, that backlog, put that 18 million to work. Uh, past that, we did make some adjustments to our green bond kind of parameters earlier this year. So we're able to raise up to another 50 million Canadian or so uh, without having to raise equity. So 
you know, trying to diversify that access to capital. I think that's always been our biggest hurdle is we have all these great investment opportunities. It's just trying to raise enough capital on the other side. But in addition, you know, as we were talking about that recycling, we do have a number of investments that are maturing next year. We'll have capital coming back there that we can redeploy as well. And I think, you know, lastly, I would say there's always that kind of opportunity to, to scale up as well. Uh, you know, I mentioned the kind of <clears throat> two to $10 million range, but there's definitely opportunities out there much larger. Um, and if you think of, again, to tie it back to mining, you know, the largest mining companies in the world, they still use royalty financing. So we see opportunity to scale up to that level as well, eventually. My next question may be oversimplification, but what about milestones? I mean, is this simply from the outside viewpoint, from the investor viewpoint? I mean, if they're watching the company and they're watching for progress, this is just about booking new new projects, deploying the capital, going to work. Uh, is it as simple as that? And, and that's what investors should really be focused on? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we have seen some pretty tremendous growth in you know, our, our financials, you know, triple digit kind of revenue growth. Uh, we have, you know, we do to put out our Q2 results, I, I believe later this month. Um, and you're really starting to see, you know, as I mentioned, how much money we put to work in the last kind of 18 to 24 months, we're still seeing some of the follow-on effects of that flow into our financials. Not to mention, again, this 18 million that we have ready to deploy on this kind of backlog. So I think that's really our focus for the rest of the years to execute on, on the backlog that we have. And then really look to next year to recycle and you know have that potential to maybe access more capital as well and continue to grow that way. But I think for us, it's, you know, if you've looked at, say we've raised roughly, I think it's about 70, 60, 70 million to date. You can kind of look at, you know, where our revenues are going just based off that initial kind of 40 or 50. And now we have another, 18, let's call it 20 that we're going to deploy as well. So I think that's really going to start to be reflected in our financials as well. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about valuation. I know you and I had an opportunity to do a fireside chat not too long ago where we focused <laughs> exclusively on this because it is a, it's a complex subject, maybe not a complex subject, but one that, that your average equity investor isn't very familiar with, particularly U.S. equity investor. Uh, because the royalty model, as you said, is more mining and, and oil and gas. And now we're talking about renewable projects and growth, uh, you know, in a growth company like like RA Royalties. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do we think about valuation? Uh, and again, I'd encourage investors to take a look at the, the prior fireside chat we did. We really got into some good detail on it. But a basic overview would be helpful for people uh, listening today. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. And yeah, definitely check out the fireside chat where we actually have uh, a slide and numbers we can actually that we actually talk through. But kind of at a, a high level, you know, I think it's tough when you're the first to do something because you don't tend to have great comparables. Um, so you know, I think of kind of three main groups that we kind of compare ourselves to, and that would be kind of you know non-mining or resource royalty companies, uh, mostly ones here in, in Canada or in the US, then you kind of have mining royalty companies because um, they're quite a big sector, especially here in Canada, and then kind of renewable energy companies as well. And we kind of look at a mixture of those. And when you compare us to them, we basically beat them, again, it's based on what we talked about before on every metric in terms of revenue growth, 
Uh, you know, we pay a distribution, so our dividend yield, especially right now, is phenomenal compared to most of these companies. Uh, in terms of EBITDA multiples, you know, a lot of the renewable energy companies, for example, especially the ones similar market cap to us, they're just burning money. They haven't become profitable yet. We have. So we have quite strong EBITDA. Again, the beauty of royalty company is tremendously low overhead. You look at uh, Franco Nevada, I think it's 25 million per employee in revenue. So we're not quite there yet, but maybe that's one of the goals. Uh, and then even just a, a price to book, you know, something as basic as that is kind of a multiple. Again, we're quite attractive compared to a lot of these companies. We tend to have a lower, lower price, but better, you know, higher growth or higher dividend yields uh, across the different kind of peer groups. And I think really how we look at it is we've kind of provided the ultimate kind of value, which is we have growth, we have yields, and we're also, you know, making an impact. So we kind of have that, you know, we got all three bases kind of covered there. It's kind of the trifecta of of all three as we see it. It's not growth or yield, it's growth and yield. And we're also making quite a positive impact on environments as well. Oh, great, that's very helpful. And it's a complex subject, but uh, one that if you dig in a little bit, it certainly creates uh, some interesting value discrepancies when you look at the group. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, Sean. It's, uh... It's a fun set to be an investor in these days. You can find yeah. some really great value, especially for companies like RE Royalties. It's it's way undervalued in my view. Uh, and I think uh, for us today, Bryce, we wanted to thank you again. I think this has been a great introduction and uh, thank you both for being here. Uh, we'll be back next week as we talk to another great management team and our emerging growth analyst, Terry Vu. We'll talk to uh, a few other industry experts from North America. Uh, as always, this podcast is produced by Joy Malone, Jesse Redman, and Nick Ford, who is also our editor. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Bryce. Yeah, no, thank you, guys. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of Water Tower Research LLC, aka WTR, and are provided for the information purposes only. The Water Tower Hour may not be distributed or reproduced without the written consent of Water Tower Research and should not be considered research or recommendation. Water WTR is an investor relations firm, not a licensed broker dealer, broker, market maker, investment bank, underwriter, or investment advisor. Additional disclaimers can be found at the watertowerresearch.com website.